0: And we're back from three days away, a rare day off on Fridays. We have plenty to talk about on Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn. I'm here with Lisa Garvin, Leila Tassi, and Laura Johnston. We're going to start with some election follow-up. I know it's a week old, but people are still talking about it. And on this next question, my email box keeps filling up with it following Tuesday's elections, is gerrymandering still as big of a problem as it was for the past 10 years? Lisa, the the readers I'm hearing from refuse to accept these numbers.
1: well in our story and this is the, and we have to crunch some numbers here so gerrymandering was slightly less egregious in this last election than it has been and it, you know knowing that we voted with unconstitutional maps so in the november 8th election we have 5 democratic congressional seats and 10 republicans going to the us congress so that means that the gop has 67% of the ohio congressional seats so when you look at the average votes for Republicans for statewide office, that sits at 59%. If you look at the average vote share of statewide congressional candidates, that's 57%. So that's an eight to 10 point difference between that and, and the actual seats that they hold. This is the smallest gap in at least 10 years. If you look back at the 2010s, the GOP had 12 of 16 congressional seats, 75%, and the average vote of the statewide candidates, 56%, and the average vote share for congressional candidates was 56%. So that was a 19% difference. So we went from 19% gap to an eight to 10 point gap. But when you talk to Common Cause director Katherine Terser, she says, yeah, the gerrymander was not as robust or extreme as expected, but they just went from an F grade to a D grade. She said that Dems did win competitive races, but three of the seats were vulnerable to GOP pickup, whereas no Republican seats were vulnerable to a Democratic challenge. So, um, you know, the map was deemed competitive um, and the districts are said to be solid for the Democrats. But uh, I don't know. I, I It still looks like a gerrymander to me.
0: It was definitely gerrymandered in the process. But, but what is interesting is, is that the vote is shifting. More and more people are voting Republican, which means that gulf is shrinking. And you know, people are saying, well, they were all incumbents, so of course they voted for them." Y- you can make any kind of analysis you want, but the numbers are the numbers. People voted in large numbers across this state for Republicans.
1: Yes, they did. And most of the Republican, well, all of the GOP incumbents except one, you know, they have the visibility, obviously, because they're in office and they also have a fundraising edge and draw more donor dollars. But most of them won their races by about 20 points. But they did lose a Republican. I mean, political science professor from the University of Cincinnati, David Niven, says it's a grand cosmic irony that the Republicans defended their gerrymandered maps only to lose, you know, Congressman Steve Chabot's seat to a Democrat.
0: The other problem, of course, is the Democrats are not fielding the best of candidates. Uh, The Democratic Party is in kind of disarray like never before. And unless they can get their act together, it's just not going to be a competitive state. Well, and I think. Oh, go ahead.
1: No, I was just going to say, I think when, you know, when I sat through all the endorsement uh, interviews this last fall is that so many of the Democratic candidates, well, they're running, you know, they'd never run for office before and they're trying to be a senator or, you know, or a lawmaker. So there's a lot of inexperience in the pipeline there.
0: Indeed. Today in Ohio. Why is it so politically incorrect to dress chimpanzees in costumes that American Greetings is dropping any cards that feature images of the simian? And Laura, you were off on Thursday. I had to go in and talk to our publisher president, Brad Harmon. And he asked, what are you guys talking about in the newsroom? And I said, you know, Brad, we just had a conversation about whether it would be appropriate to illustrate a story with a picture of a chimp in a costume. And it was kind of hotly debated. That was the kind of day it was that you missed.
2: I am sorry I missed that conversation. <laughs> Anytime we talk about animals in the newsroom, I feel like it's a good discussion. Um, I have to say this was not on my radar at all as a problem because no one's arguing that these chimpanzees on the cards were mistreated. But PETA first brought this up with American Greetings in 2008 and the issue is that the images are demeaning because they suggest the species is thriving when in fact chimpanzees are on the International Union of the Conservation of Nature's list of endangered species. That's happened since 1996. So if you have photos of them in human clothing, wearing party hats, smiling, or holding hands with a human, people think they're doing great, and it increases the likelihood that people would want them as a pet.
0: I I, I got to tell you, when this one came, with all the stuff we've been talking about for the past week—abortion and the red wave, blue wave—all the big issues facing America. This just did not seem like one that that should merit this kind of a discussion. Our former colleague, Robin Goist, is with PETA, and she feels very strongly about it, was very proud Mm -hmm. that American Greetings decided to do this. And we ultimately decided online not to run a photo of a chimpanzee in a costume because we figured we'd get hate mail if we did. But what are we coming to? We've talked about how we seem to be moving too quickly in America and in, in, in embracing some strange ideas. This feels like one of those to me.
2: I actually was even writing like my notes for this and I was like, can we say chimp anymore? Or it's like that too... <laughs> You know, demeaning to the chimpanzee. Honestly, I was actually wondering that. Like, you know, like, is it politically correct? But um, now, I, I, it hasn't been this big hubbub lately about this. They've been asking for this for years. I guess they rescued the the chimpanzee who's been on the cards. His name is Connor, and he's. It's usually the same same chimpanzee and they rescued him but now they're saying they're pulling all the other cards of other chimpanzees and i guess now they're going to put some pressure on hallmark to stop because hallmark still got these kind of cards
0: when when this first came up i i I didn't know what the issue was i'd never heard of this before and i couldn't believe we were actually having a conversation about it i was like okay but for halloween which we just passed Everybody was posting pictures of their dogs and cats dressed in ridiculous
2: costumes.
0: (laughs) Why is that okay, but not the chimpanzees? And it's because the chimpanzees are endangered. Right. No. Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. My dog wore a donut um, collar around his neck. Like, you know, he he hated it. Um, but yeah, golden retrievers are not in danger.
3: <laughs> Can I just say the ca- cards with a chimpanzee wearing an outfit? I mean, that's the lamest form of humor anyway.
0: Yeah. I, yes, that's true. <laughs> Can, uh, oh, yes. Uh, is
3: anyone going to defend yes. <laughs> that we still need these cards out there? No,
0: no they were dumb they were they really were dumb. your
2: dog card with a party hat right like you could sell a lot more dogs and cats wearing of course yeah people love
3: that stuff they yeah, I every time you see one of those you pass it right by there's so many other options chimps and clothes not funny it's stupid it's
0: stupid <laughs> <laughs> all right so all things aside that's the reason you should <laughs> stop it's not really funny it's today in ohio It was big news when the former Cuyahoga County Jail Director was sentenced to jail himself for mismanaging the Cuyahoga lockup. He finished his sentence long ago, but now his conviction has been thrown out. Layla, what's up? Well,
3: Ken Mills served nine months at the Portage County Jail for two counts each of dereliction of duty and falsification. And like you said, he's been out of jail for a while now. But a divided three judge panel of the Eighth Ohio District Court of Appeals ruled that Mills deserves a new trial because the judge at his original trial wrongly allowed the jury to hear testimony that several inmates had died during or shortly after Mills' time there. And the judges said Mills was denied a fair trial because special prosecutors of the Ohio Attorney General's office didn't charge him with any crimes related to the deaths, despite making that you know, kind of a focus of their case. And the judges thought that, thought one of the most egregious examples of this was when prosecutors presented to jurors a photo of an inmate hunched over on the floor minutes before he died. The panel felt prosecutors used that photo simply to inflame and improperly influence the jury. One one of the judges wrote in a dissent that she believed the evidence was admissible because Mills was charged with failing to provide adequate shelter and medical care to inmates. So she felt the deaths were relevant to making that case. But the judges, you know, they did all agree that there was sufficient evidence to convict Mills apart from those deaths so he will get a new trial and prosecutors can you know decide if they're going to plan on trying to trying again here
0: what's the point of retrying him though he's already served a penalty so you're just going through it to set the record Well don't you straight, I mean I guess?
3: you know don't, with something like this when you want the charge to stick I mean you want the conviction to to, to be upheld you don't <clears throat> you don't want him to walk away from from it.
0: But he didn't walk away. He spent nine months in I know, jail but if already, he doesn't have a conviction
3: know. on his record, then that's a you know, it's really a loss for the state.
0: Mm. I don't know. What's the point of the justice system? Is it to punish wrongdoers, which has happened, or is it to set the record straight? I, I just I, look, we all know the jail was a mess. We know that he wasn't a competent jail manager. We've documented that. Adam Faris and Courtney Astolfi did incredible work laying that all out. The whole The whole world knows he he's terrible. and he did give up nine months of his life. So to go through the expense of a trial, on both sides, just to say, well, the conviction sticks. It seems like a little bit. Well, of I also a wonder if prosecutors
3: mind. take another bite at this apple and they don't have those deaths to draw upon to kind of give it that extra punch. Are they worried at all that that he's going to be exonerated? <laughs> you know, in that case, then it's a you know at least here, if, if they walk away from it, he will have he'll still live on under the cloud of what happened. You know, but you know. If they try it again and he yeah. gets he gets acquitted because they couldn't use those deaths in their making their case, then, you know, it's a different outcome. Yeah, I
0: don't know. It's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do because he did his time. It's to, I guess if he gets convicted, he could get a longer sentence and he could go through oh, more wow. time, but we'll see. <laughs> it's Today in Ohio. When we publish stories about sports gambling, I hear from a handful of readers who are offended. They think gambling is a vice, even if it's legal. Is that the generally held opinion in Northeast Ohio, Lisa? No, it is not. According
1: to the uh, Baldwin-Wallace University poll that Cleveland.com and the Plain Dealer commissioned on a variety of topics, they found that 61% were in favor of legal sports betting, only 20% were opposed, and only 7% of them were strongly against it, and about 19% were unsure. So if you take a look at the demographics, you're more likely to support gambling if you're a Republican a man, and you make between $50,000 and $99,000 a year. And they found in the age demographic, the support was higher in the 18 to 49 demo, but it drops with each older demographic. So the older you get, the less likely you're to support gambling. Um, also more white folks and black folks support it. 61.7% of white people are opposed or support gambling as opposed to 57% uh, of black folks. And that's a four point difference.
0: What, what strikes me, I, cause I get some pretty angry email about it because the, the gambling issue is changing the language of sports reporting. There are a lot more stories now that look at the odds and the point spreads. They were always there, but but it's much more a part of the discussion. There were studies done in Australia when they did sports gambling about how the whole narration of in-game sports coverage changed, and that's happening. It's a it's a it's a fairly dramatic shift in the way you analyze it. Will Nick Chubb? rush for 100 yards or not. It's no longer winning or losing or mm-hmm. just a point spread. But I, but there are some readers that don't want that. They don't like change. So that's one thing. But they just don't think that we should discuss gambling because it's so evil, but it's legal. It's not illegal anymore starting in January. So we will be using that language.
1: Right. And support for it. I mean, almost every demographic they talked to, the support was over 50 percent and well over in many cases. Yeah.
3: I'm I'm okay. surprised to hear that that Republicans so uh you know that they that they're more likely to support gambling because they kind of don't they see themselves as the morality police, I mean
1: you know that's interesting that you say that Layla because in Texas which is solidly conservative they never could pass casino gambling and they tried like three times wow. and it never happened so that kind of surprises me yeah.
0: well yeah that's true Layla I, I mean I know how we got it passed because the Republicans were afraid that it would be a constitutional amendment. So they moved it through. It's also lucrative. I mean, the state does get some money out of it, but for regular Republican voters, it is interesting that they're in favor of it. Maybe it's just become so accepted generally because it's everywhere. It's today in Ohio. We don't think of Cuyahoga County as a split ballot country, but what did our analysis of voting patterns for governor and Senate show? Laura, one more election story.
2: Right. And Zachary Smith did a nice job analyzing who was voting where. And up to about a fifth, actually more than a fifth, 22% of the county precincts broke party lines when voting in races for the governor and U.S. Senate. So they chose candidates from opposing parties. And that's a political gray area. Most of these are choosing Mike DeWine as governor and uh, Tim Ryan as senator. So and they're mostly in the far east side of the county in the southwestern suburbs. And then there were six precincts, less than one percent of the county that swung the other way, voted for Nan Whaley and J.D. Vance. Sixty six percent of the precincts uh, across the county voted for both Democrats and 10 percent voted for both Republicans.
0: The the map that we published with this mm-hmm. story really was the visual aid of visual aids. You never think of Cuyahoga County as having that much red in it.
2: Well, and it, I mean, think about it. it it's. Well, yeah, 10% of the county. And, but we've seen this in the last couple of years. Strongsville, Super Red, Parma, which used to be a completely Democratic stronghold, has some red in it. Seven Hills, North Royalton, Brecksville. I mean, the further south you get, uh, the little bit more rural you're getting. Obviously, it's not it's very suburban, but you're getting more red. I was really surprised to see that my area of Rocky River is just as blue as, you know, South Euclid and Cleveland Heights, although there is like a couple of red precincts right Maybe in uh, University Heights, I was surprised by that.
0: Yeah, I, I suggest people look on cleveland.com to see the map because we can talk about it all we want, but sometimes an image is worth thousands of words, and it is. It was
3: really case. interesting to see how many people voted for DeWine and against J.D. Vance. And I wish that trend had just carried through (laughs) the state. Well, then that was why (laughs) we had
2: talked about that beforehand, right? Andrew Tobias wrote a story about how Ryan was aiming to pick up those votes and he really needed to do it to, to win. And he did it in Cuyahoga, but not by big enough margins to override the rest of the state.
0: That's because turnout in Cuyahoga was pretty bad overall. Right. I mean, that's part of the problem is the Democrats no longer get out the vote. People don't feel like they're invested in the system, so they stay home. It's today in Ohio. Chris Ronayne scored a huge win just two days after being elected Cuyahoga County Executive naming a chief of staff who was quite popular before he left Greater Cleveland eight years ago. Layla, who is he and what has he been I doing? I agree
3: that this was a good get for Rodane Last week, uh, he named Eric Wobser to his transition team and, and as his future chief of staff. And until then, Wobser had been the city manager of Sandusky, which is his hometown. He's been there since 2014. Before that, he had been the director of Ohio City, Inc. since 2009. That's the Community Development Corporation in the Ohio City neighborhood. and he He once served as the manager of the city of Cleveland's Office of Capital Budgeting. Eric presided over Ohio City, Inc. during the years when when Ohio City really blossomed into what it is today. So full of restaurants and nightlife and attractions. He helped bring Mitchell's ice cream to that shuttered storefront that once housed Moda. Remember Moda, that awful nightclub? <laughs> and he yeah. knew how to leverage neighborhood anchors like the West Side Market to attract other businesses. And he he took that sensibility with him to Sandusky. So throughout the past eight years, you know, I just couldn't tell you how many times I've heard people say they wish that Eric Woebser would come back to Cleveland for for a moment when former city councilman Joe Simperman was stepping down from council to become the director of Global Cleveland. There was some chatter that Eric would have come back to the city to be appointed to that council seat. But he was adamant at that time that he was committed to Sandusky. That's his hometown. So I had always felt like that's where his heart was. And, uh, you know, didn't I was really pleasantly surprised to see that he was he was named to this position.
0: He's been on fire. I mean, you know, you want somebody that cares about lakefront development, he moved City Hall off the hmm. lakefront so that they could develop it. I mean, think about that. You know, what? how, how many mayors are going to say, yeah, 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 what a waste of space, like an airport maybe. Let's get it off the lakefront and do some cool things with it. That town in his eight years has been transformed. I mean, he I, has been a wonderkind. And you're right. How many times have we heard when's he coming back he spoke at the city club a few years back i think and you had you heard that when is he coming back for chris rooney to snag him and bring him back that is big, big you know,
3: and big. looking around online, I saw the story that said that in twenty twenty, it seems he was a finalist for the job of city administrator in in Ann Arbor, Michigan. He has ties there. He's he won, you know, he went to University of Michigan for law school. He he Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but he ended up withdrawing his name from consideration there and decided to stay in Sandusky instead and, and help his hometown weather the storm during the pandemic. You know, of course, that town, you know, they suffered so greatly from the sudden loss of tourism dollars and the fact that Cedar Point was closed for half of that season. And he told Ann Arbor, you know, it was an honor to be a finalist, but it would take a near perfect situation for me to consider leaving Sandusky. So this must be that perfect situation.
0: (laughs) I find it interesting that he gave notice about a month ago, well before Chris Ronayne won the election. (laughs) I think he might have been confident.
2: I got to meet with him when I was doing Rock the Lake and spent a day going around downtown Sandusky. We actually threw axes together at their <laughs> axe throwing bar and looked at all the development they were doing in the New City Hall they were building. And I was super impressed with everything he's been able to accomplish in Sandusky. And if he's able to bring that kind of passion and just efficiency to Cuyahoga County, then we are in for and great And he thing. really
3: has a, a public service spirit. You know, I was reading that during mm-hmm. hard times in Sandusky, he voluntarily gave back, you know, part of his salary uh, to to help the budget. And you know, when do you hear of that happening? <laughs> Instead, yeah, we've heard of no, we've heard I'm of city council members in some cities voting to give themselves raises when they got th- with, with ARPA, ARPA money. money. <laughs> So,
0: (laughs) geez. Okay. Yeah, it's a big get. Let's see what else Chris Ronane does. He's off to a good start. It's today in Ohio. People in the Parma City School District simply refuse to approve new taxes, rejecting the latest proposal last Tuesday. That leaves the district in a jam, Lisa. How will the superintendent address it?
1: Well, there's a lot of things that aren't going to happen, and uh, Superintendent Charles Smilek says he's not sure that we won't go before voters again. So issue nine was on the ballot in Parma. It was a 3.95 mil bond issue for Parma schools. It failed for the third time in three years. Out of 36,359 votes cast, 52.4 percent opposed the bond issue. He said, you know, Smiley said he thought we had a good, strong campaign, but they didn't change enough minds. This uh, levy would have cost $11.53 a month for a $100,000 home. So what happens is immediate. They will not be building the new $194 million high school that would have served the entire school district. They will also lose $79 million in matching funds from the Ohio Facilities Construction Commission. And he said that their consolidation of the district will continue. There is planning underway to close and demolish Parma High School and Redwood Elementary. Parma Park Elementary will become the new central office location and the location for the Parma Academy of Gifted Enrichment, and that's coming soon. He says, but we may have to come back to voters. You know, if we need a new high school, the operating revenues that they got from their last levy in 2011 is running out. So they're, you know, he's not sure what his next steps will be.
0: The idea that you just keep coming back and coming back just, just rubs me the wrong way. You ought to have a moratorium. If voters go to the polls and say no, shouldn't you get a year before you have to address it again? I, I just, the will of the voters should matter. But if they just keep coming back and back, and often they'll try and do it in a special election when there's low turnout or something to to cook the books a bit. It's just, if the voters don't want to have the tax, you know, you got to figure it out.
1: But then will they start bitching that there's no high school? I mean, you know. Yeah.
0: But but that look, the voters are the ones that decide how much money the government should have. The voters are the government. They control it. And so if the voters say, no more taxes, we, we want you to do it within a budget, then you gotta work within the budget. Imagine if the county council learned to work within its budget. You know, it's it's an interesting exercise, but to to repeatedly come back, it's just it, I don't know. It just you hear people talking about it, and they just mm-hmm. feel like it's not right. It, it look, it, it's also partly because of Ohio's law, where the taxes don't rise with inflation. That's a rare thing. Ohio has that cap, so that as soon as you pass the tax, the value of it starts dropping because you can never collect an extra dollar from it than when you passed it. It's today in Ohio. What us talk slush funds. What is the latest round of spending by the Cuyahoga County Council with its terribly misguided move to squander <laughs> $66 million in stimulus funds on dozens of tiny projects that no one will remember. How do you really
3: feel, Chris?
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs>
3: well, this week
0: uh, we saw
3: county council pass another $2.6 million in, in proposed spending. More than half of it, about $1.5 will be used to demolish the Brook Park Memorial Elementary School and replace it with a retention pond, you know, because... When you think of all the transformational uses of this kind of once in a lifetime money you think retention pond right but what else i mean dale miller yeah,
0: mosquito breeding grounds
3: <laughs> mosquito farm the brook park mosquito farm right. but uh so dale miller and nan baker in districts 1 and 2 they're going to pull Eighty-nine thousand to give to the West Shore Council of Governments to buy equipment for the West Shore Technical Response Team. They respond to fires and specialized rescue operations. Dale Miller is also going to give seven hundred fifty grand to add a path from Cam's Corners neighborhood to Rocky River Reservation. He's going to give a hundred grand for a meals program for seniors. There's money uh, for Lakewood to produce a feasibility study on eco-friendly public transit. That sounds kind of interesting. 43000 for the Journey Center for Safety and Healing for Renovations at a Domestic Violence Shelter. And then Sonny Simon in District 11 is giving fifty grand to the Bail Project Incorporated to hire an employee to identify people in need of bail assistance and, and support them. That's the l- new list. Just,
2: yeah,
0: just think $66 million. If you'd been very creative and innovative, how many lives could you have actually changed? You know, we talked at one point, what if you created... A nurse training program because we have this terrible shortage of nurses where you take candidates you put them through school you pay for their child care you make sure they have food and shelter and for whatever it is the year and a half it takes to get trained everything's covered and then you change their lives and they thrive and their families thrive how many people could you have done that with and instead we're doing all this nickel and dime stuff that no one's going to right. remember. It's, it's and the next, the
3: next round money. will probably include like 50 grand for mosquito control in Brook Park.
0: <laughs> yeah. West Nile right. virus, right. Testing in Brook Park. It's today in Ohio. There was a time when the answer to this question was a hard no, but no longer it appears. Should you buy travel insurance when planning a vacation? Laura.
2: The experts are saying yes. And, Most travelers agree at this point, more than half, and it depends who you're asking, but up to 95% of some travel agents' clients are getting travel insurance. I have to say I have never paid for this. Then again, my vacations are really modest compared to the people talking in this story. I've never, you know, been to Belize and had to wait out a hurricane. And that's the kind of stuff that people... are are worried about, right? It's not just COVID, but that's the reason that so many people are choosing to get it now is because they've seen what can happen to their vacations when the unexpected occurs.
0: I, I was surprised that the advice was generally that. And it wasn't just advice from people who make money by selling you insurance. It was from people that have seen vacations dissolve away and people lose quite a bit of Cash because of it, but what a dramatic turnaround because of the COVID. Can I say
3: years. I have looked at those insurance policies every single time we've planned any kind of trip, and they all feel like I mean they. I'm pretty sure they say that the 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 policy will kick in if the place where you are needs to be
2: evacuated, which is a pretty high bar. I mean, you have to be really in the well, eye of the storm if you. I think there's a lot of different ones that you can get here. And Susan Glaser lays it out really well. I mean, you're going to pay more for the cancel for anything kind of thing. If you're like, eh, I'm just not feeling my trip anymore, I want to cancel, you can get insurance for that and get your money back. You know, there are people that get sick when they're on vacation, rather mm-hmm. if, if it's from COVID or something else, people who had to quarantine, their insurance was covering extra days stay at their hotels. Somebody apparently tripped and broke an ankle while they were quarantined and they got that paid for. So I think you have to be really careful about what you're paying for and reading the fine print because yeah, it could be a terrorist attack. It could be a storm, you know, it could just be bad weather that cancels your flight. I don't know. But you do need to look at what you're paying for. And the more it covers, obviously, the more expensive it's going to be. But it's a a fraction of the cost of the total, they say four to 8% of the total trip cost. And if you are planning like a big trip, you know, jaunt through Europe and a bunch of different countries, it makes a whole lot more sense than if I'm like, I'm going to drive somewhere and stay in a hotel that's totally cancelable. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I, I do notice, though, that there are times where you see our readers writing letters about how they had a hard time getting reimbursed. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to what Layla's saying about you really need to look at the at what you're covered for. Like If you have a, a death in the family and have to come back for a funeral, does that count? Things like that. But it's a good story by Susan Glazer. Check it out on Cleveland.com. That's it for Monday on Today in Ohio. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Laura. Thanks, Layla. And thank you for listening.